fellow Christians, PGI members. My name is Shedrick Mteto, the Archbishop of PGI Invigorated Church. I greet you all. Today's message is titled, Jesus Code. I'm sure you are asking yourself, what is the Jesus Code? Jesus didn't have a coat. He was the coat. He is the way, the truth, and the life then, now, and forevermore. In the midst of all these things, Jesus is the answer and is the code to all we need. If you read the first few books in the New Testament and throughout the Bible, Jesus continually probes and questions his listeners, such as, who do you think I am? This shows that he's interested in your thoughts and your understanding of who he is and who you think he is. Whether in a public gathering, a confrontation with enemies, or a private conversation with his closest friends, Jesus constantly used questions to produce change and growth. He used questions to make these listeners engage and searching for truth in anything he spoke. This was how God built relationship. Therefore, the Jesus code clearly reveals that it is okay to ask questions. One of the biggest mistakes people make in the reading of scripture is that they read it as spectators. We often have questions of God, questions like, where are you? Why did you allow this? What kind of good can come out of this? God has question of us as well, not because he doesn't know the answers. He knows all things. The question God asked throughout scripture in both the Old and New Testament were to get us to think, to repent, to return to understanding and grow. Remember, those who continue to grow in spirit and in wisdom ask a lot of questions. Many Christians have reached a dangerous point in their spiritual journey when they feel that they have all the answers and we stop asking questions. He says, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Luke 11, 9 to 10. Let's go through a few questions that every Christian should be able to answer. Did God really say in Genesis 3, verse 1 to 5, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open 
and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Remember that when Satan slid us into the garden, he didn't force Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. He simply tossed the seed of doubt away, and she did the rest. The question remains, how many questions has the devil threw your way? When he has, what did you do? As Christians, it's important to verify the words you hear with God's word from anybody. To affirm the truth, trustiness against what God says. The title of Genesis 3 is called The Fall, which I found very interesting because it clearly reveals that who you listen to, it's important. There is a fall in listening to the devil. Lessons we learn from Genesis 3. Satan's deceit brings selfish desire. Genesis 3 verse 1 to 5. A selfish desire brings a sinful decision. Genesis 3, 6 to 8. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Sinful decision bring a short defeat. Genesis 3, verse 7 to 21. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Numbers 21, verse 5. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Despite having witnessed the incredible miracle God had performed in their midst, the Israelites were still discouraged and still cried out of frustration. Too often we find ourselves walking in their footsteps. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warning for us, on whom the culmination of ages has come. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. This means there are lessons to be learned from every story in the Bible, like there is a lesson we can learn from the frustration of the Israelites. Lesson we can learn from Numbers 21. Reason for discouragement. Divert our focus from God and his blessings to the circumstances around us. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, James 1 verse 2. Results of discouragement, anxiety, fear, distress, lack of peace, and lack of faith. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. Remedy for discouragement. Pray continually. Take heart and trust in the Lord. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Psalm 120, verse 1. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Judges 6, verse 13. 
Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midian. We all have probably asked ourselves these questions more than once. Gideon was faced with a battle that seemingly seemed impossible. The angel appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. To which Gideon immediately replied, Really? If that's true, then why is this happening to us? How often have we felt like Gideon? or walked in his shoes. However, if you continue following the story of Gideon, you'll see how paralysis to analysis affected Gideon. Lesson to learn from Gideon. A paralysis means a loss of ability to move and sometimes to feel anything. Trials at times causes us to be left paralyzed by fear and failure, leading us to want to give out, give in, and give up. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Analysis means detailed examination of elements. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we, we might not rely on ourselves but on God. Who raises the death? He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. What are you doing? The first Kings chapter 19, verse 9. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Have you ever found yourself in a place where God asked, What are you doing here? Or ask yourself, How did I get myself here? Elijah definitely had God ask him what he was doing here after an aftermath of one of his most victorious mountaintop experiences. Elijah was one of God's mightiest men. He was a very brave man. His courage was extraordinary. However, he was spiritually depressed. He was living proof of the misconception that only those who know failure get depressed. The devil uses depression to enable us as children of God. And he knows when to attack us. He attacked Elijah when he was extremely tired and weak. I have had enough, Lord, he said. The devil comes to steal, to kill and destroy. 
May we never take that for granted because he can strike any time. Lesson we can learn from Elijah. Sources of spiritual depression, fear, fatigueness, and forgetfulness. In the first book of Kings, chapter 19, verse 4, Elijah asked the Lord to take away his life. If this was what he really wanted, he should have stayed where he was. He need not have had such a long, tiring journey. Jezebel promised to kill him in the next 24 hours. But poor Elijah did not look at the true situation. We are like that too sometimes. So you should avoid making important decisions when you feel depressed. Elijah did not see things as they were. Symptoms of spiritual depression. Detachment, misery, deception, and defensiveness. Solution to symptoms of depression. Seek God, strengthen yourself in him. Trust that he will guide you. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. First book of Kings, chapter 19, verse 11. If man dies, shall he live again? Job 14, verse 14. If someone dies, will they live again? At some point of our lives, we all have asked ourselves this question. If someone dies, will they live again? If we are here today, gone tomorrow, then what? Is there life beyond the grave? Does heaven and hell really exist? Lesson learned from Job. Job 19, verse 25 to 27. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth and that after my skin has been destroyed, yet my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. Will we live again? The answer is positive. Job answer, I know that my Redeemer lives. Will we live again? The answer is pointed. Job knew that he would see his Redeemer live after destruction of his earthly body. Will we live again? The answer is personal. Job knew that my Redeemer lives. How can a young man cleanse his way? Psalm 119, verse 9 to 10. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed and keeping watch on himself according to your weight, conforming his life to it. With my whole heart have I sought you, inquiring for and of you and yearning for you. Or let me not wander or step aside, either in ignorance or willfully, from your commandments. How can young men live clean life in wicked society? Although evil is increasing in the world, 
This is not a new problem for believers. The psalmist addressed this issue 3,000 years ago. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man clean his way? By taking heed according to your word. A person's ways refer to the manner of life and their conduct. The words take heed means to keep or observe. God's word reveals how to live a clean life in an evil world. In fact, the word reveals God's will for our lives. Lesson learned from Psalm 119 verse 9 to 10. Knowing the word by guarding it according to your word, Psalm 119 verse 9. Store the word. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119 verse 11. Show the word. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. Psalm 119 verse 13. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commandable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Philippians 4 verse 8. Where can I go from your spirit? Psalm 139, verse 7 to 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God's presence is inescapable. We wander away from God and run away from God. That is the part of our human condition. But there is nowhere we can hide from God who created us and who loves us. God is always reaching out to us. God's inescapable presence is a gift God offers us. Where can I go from your spirit, O oh God? Where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere. Lesson learned from Psalm 139. There is a wonder of the Lord's omniscience. Psalm 139, 1 verse 4. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. There is a wonder of the Lord's omnipresence. Psalm 139, 7, verse 7 to 8. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? There is a wonder of the Lord's omnipotence. Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Who amongst you fear the Lord? 
Isaiah 50, verse 10. Who amongst you fear the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Who walks in the darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his What does it mean to fear the Lord? Does it mean to live in fear of God? No. It means that to have the fear of the Lord is to live godly. We want to do nothing that might cause God to remove his hand of blessing and anointing from us. How can we begin to walk in the fear of God daily? Begin at the place where we begin with everything in Christian's life. God's word. Lesson learned from Isaiah 50 verse 10. To fear God is to have the proper reverence and awe for him. So we do whatever is required of us to serve him. To stand before his face in all we do in order to be pleasing to him. To know that we don't give account to anyone but God for our actions. To fear to act against his will. To fear to dishonor him with our actions. What does the Lord require of you? He has shown you all mortal what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6 verse 8. God is rich, merciful, and full of grace. Yet he requires certain things of us who sitting of God is rich. So what the Lord requires of us? Our actions do justly. Keep your hands busy. Our affection, love mercy. Our attitude, walk humbly. Keep your head bowed. Fellow Christians, I encourage you to be inquisitive. Ask as many questions as you can because all the answers are found in your scripture. I invite you to join me in a prayer as we wrap up. Father God, Make my eyes always open, my ears always sensitive to confirming your voice of your Holy Spirit. Teach me your word that I might build my life upon its truth and nothing else. Amen.